0: Thanks, Kate and Nikki, for leading us um, in that time of worship. Um, Let's just uh, open our hearts in prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning um, knowing that we are safe within your hands, but also aware of many things around us that worry us and, and cause us concern, but yet we proclaim and we know that we are within your hands. And um, we trust that that your hands are safe, that your hands are strong, that your hands will uh, continue to carry us through as they have in the past. And um, as we look to you, as we look to, to learn about what you have in store for us, Lord, um, we we trust that as you have guided us in the past, you will continue to guide us um, as we go forward. Uh, bless this time, this morning. Uh, bless your word, um, and uh, just allow it to be clear and to um, to cause us to think and to know you better. In your name, Amen. Um, so, uh, the title of the sermon this morning is a little unwieldy, um, it's, uh, from Christ to the Spirit, um, and how, uh, how, how that transition of authority and power was carried out, um, and, uh, we're also going to look at the story of the Tower of Babel and how the coming of the Spirit reversed that, um, so as as I started thinking about this topic, um, there were a number of things that were sort of going through my mind. Um, one of the things was uh just this knowledge that um, that we're going to be going through a transition of leadership here uh, in in our congregation and uh, with the experience of just, um, a little little insecurity or a little uncertainty about what what that will bring. Um I thought it was very appropriate that Conrad preached the sermon that he did last week about um about fear and about uh the assurance that that God is, does have us in his hands and and that there is a nest for us. Um and as I as I went through the week this week um I was reflecting on that and uh w- one one story that um that I'd like to share with you from our family kind of brought those feelings of insecurity and fear uh to the forefront and um, this happened one night as we were eating dinner with the children and for whatever reason they wanted me to tell them a scary story so, um, so I started off telling them a story about Sid the Spider. And I, of course, made this up uh, right there on the spot. And Sid the Spider was a spider who lived in the corner of our kitchen. And he would come out when, um, when children were talking back to their parents. And at first, everyone was laughing at this story. But, um, but as, as the story progressed... One of, one of the girls started to get a little bit concerned that this story may actually be real. And once she m- made this transition from it being a funny, scary story that dad was telling to maybe this story was real, then you could tell that she started getting concerned. She started looking up at the corner where the spider supposedly lived. And all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere of the of the family changed. And um, what was once a funny story now became um, scary for everyone. Everyone now was worried that maybe this maybe this spider was real and maybe he lived up there. And um, and you know, despite my attempts to uh, then defuse the situation and assure them that I just made up this spider they were um you know unconvinced by that uh and um and so then then we had to make up some additional parts of it like um the way to scare the spider away was to simply say yes mom right away and then the spider would scurry back to the corner um you know and maybe that was effective in alleviating some of their fear but it still it still played into this thought that maybe the spider was actually real um and you know it, w- it was interesting to me about how quickly our fears can become a reality um even h- even if there's nothing really to base those fears on they can uh very quickly take over our imagination and, and begin to um begin to cause a lot of concern especially if we see other people showing concern, maybe there is something to be scared of. Um, and um, and when you're when you're in that s- state of feeling afraid about whatever it is that you feel afraid of, um, you can feel uh, abandoned, you can feel um, insecure about about you know where you're at, where your position is, whether this spider is going to come out and get you. Um, and the responses uh, that our children showed and that you, you see played out in the world um, are, are actually very similar. I think when when you feel insecure, uh, there is a very um, intense drive to, to get out of that feeling. And so you will look to whatever it is that you think will, will allow you to feel a little bit more secure. Um, and often we feel that uh, sense of insecurity when uh, there is a change in authority or, or, or we don't think that the authority around us is going to keep us safe. And so, uh, you know, our children ran to Janelle to comfort them and, may, and reassure them that the spider wasn't real. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's one response that we can have is that we can look to others to to provide that sense of safety and that sense of security. Um, or we can become, um, you know uh, put on some false bravado and and become sort of the authority ourselves. Uh, and uh, I think this is often the the stance that I take, you know, especially at work when I'm faced with a uh, a situation that I don't understand, I'm not sure about I'll quickly, uh, become, take charge, and uh, start barking out orders. Um, and sometimes, you know, that that doesn't actually help resolve the situation. It may make it worse. Um, so I'd like to start off by looking at uh, Genesis 6. And this, this is where uh, we start the story of the flood. Um, and before I read this this week, I never actually noticed this one clause that's in here Uh, but genesis 6 starts off when human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them the sons of god saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose then the lord said my spirit will not contend with humans forever for they are mortal their days will be 120 years if you look at the footnote at least in my NIV Bible it says um in verse 3 the spirit will not remain in humans forever and I never noticed that before but it seems as though that's the time when the spirit is removed from humans and if and so that that verse that i've often looked over before becomes a very significant changing point in in the story of how god interacted with humans um no longer before that the spirit seemed to have been present among among the people but after that the spirit was removed and what is it that would have caused god to withdraw his spirit from people and um, we can see that they were uh, that they were e- evil. It says that uh, further down, verse 5, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth, the human race I have created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Um. So if you think about their thoughts, the inclination of their thoughts being only evil all the time, um, you realize that human the human beings as, as a species had set their eyes on on a goal or on a object an ideal that was not that was not godly. Um, other place other places in the scripture it talks about um, that it, it warns us that we should not be ungodly like Esau was, who traded his birthright for for soup. Um, and so, part of being ungodly is this focus on the present and sacri- and sacrificing what could be the the future good um if if we do that then we are in danger of losing the spirit also in philippians 3 paul when writing to the philippians uh warns them about uh about how they should avoid acting in this way so uh philippians 3 uh starting in verse 15 all of us then who are mature should take such a view on things and if some on some point you think differently that too god will make clear to you only let us live up to what we have already attained Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh so we see that one aspect of acting ungodly um and causing us to be in danger of losing the spirit is a sense of living in the here and now and forgetting about the future forgetting about the the good um the aiming for the best that God has for us um and if we act in that way we um we like the people of the of the uh who were living in the time before the flood are in danger of losing of losing the spirit's guidance um and then going back to genesis 6 it, the lord warns that since since people have neglected him have not been following in his way have not been setting their eyes on on the ideal life that he would have them uh, achieve he is going to wipe the world from them. And, um and as I think about the old testament, um I realize that the the God of the Old Testament often seems harsh. Uh and I think the Old Testament writers are doing their best to, to portray God as they saw him. Um but I think often uh, a way to think about it uh, that 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 makes sense and um, and also provides a little bit of clarity to me is to not think about it as though God is being arbitrary in in assigning a uh, punishment, but what he's doing often in these uh, at these times is simply allowing the natural consequences of the actions to take place. And so, as people uh, continue to aim aim for destruction, aim for death, death comes upon them. And so, um, if they were aiming for life, they would have escaped the the consequence of the flood. But since they were aiming for death, since they were aiming for destruction, since they were aiming for that which was less than the perfection that God wanted, um, they were they were destroyed. Uh, and with them, when when that was when the world was destroyed, uh, it was plunged into the deadly chaos of, of the um, of the water. Uh, water in scripture um, often symbolizes chaos, and it does in this passage as well. All the previous authority and structure that was present at that time before the flood was destroyed. Uh, but as Conrad reminded us last week. There is a place of safety, um, an ark that rises above the chaos that that was able to save those who had their minds set on life, that were aiming for life and not for death. And um, after the flood waters abate, there's still not the same authority, that structure that was in place, um, that was present before the flood. And so... Uh, as we turn to chapter 11, we see uh, the people in this uh, barren land uh, after the flood, this this land that had been wiped clean of all uh, vestiges of uh, the hierarchy or authority that was present before. They're feeling insecure, and they're feeling unsure of what's going to come. And so they decide to build a tower, a, a, a focus point, for their efforts, that is going to provide them the safety and the security that they so long for. Um, the problem is that they are are trying to do this apart from God. And again, uh, reading in verse or in chapter eleven, we read: Now the whole world had one language and one common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, "Come, let us bake brick." make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, "If, as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That was why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused their language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them across the face of the whole earth. Um and again. Uh, I think that we can think of this as the natural consequence of trying to build an authority apart from God to provide safety. The more that we try to do this, the more fractured and um and unable to communicate among each other we will become. And uh, you know, I I think that you can see that uh in the events of the last year um as you see uh one 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 side of the political spectrum uh staging protests and the other side protesting the protests and then the situation reverse um you you see that as as people are focusing on on the hope that something will provide safety for them apart from god you can see the whole system is becoming more and more unstable um and this, um, this inability to communicate uh, and this separation from God continued up until the New Testament. And we see with the coming of Christ, we see a new uh, change in the way that God re- related to, uh, to humans once again. So whereas before it was characterized by distance, um, by withdrawal of the Spirit, all of a sudden uh, now with the coming of Christ, uh, God, God is reestablishing a relationship that had been broken uh, years before, and um, with Christ coming into flesh, uh, He comes with an authority, uh, and and this authority is comforting in ways to the to the disciples, um, because it is someone that they can relate to, is someone that they can see, that they can touch. Um, and so they become uh somewhat dependent uh, on the authority of christ um he he states multiple times that his authority is not his own authority but he points to the authority of uh of the father and so even um even in the sense of Christ being being there in the flesh um, there were, some although it was a it, it was a relationship that uh did provide safety and security for the disciples it also came with its own set of difficulties um there there is a uh there's a sense in which you know Christ was only one person and so there was there was a problem with access to him um different people couldn't could not necessarily get as close to him as they would want or have their needs met um and there's all, also a way in which with Christ being there the disciples were stymied in their own growth their own um their own spiritual growth because they could rely on Christ to provide the answer rather than uh rather than having the responsibility that that they would have to seek seek out the answer for themselves. With Christ pointing to this higher authority as um as the source of his authority, he he was pointing to something um that uh that often becomes confused for us um here as we follow authorities. I think it's very easy to confuse the person with the position and, um, and Conrad often talks about this as, as, uh, as a problem that, that can happen. Um, as, although it wasn't true for Christ for, for us here on earth, as we exercise authority, we exercise it imperfectly. And so, uh, Although we point to an ideal, hopefully, that is in line with what God is calling us to, uh, the truth is that we will never completely live up to that ideal. And, um, you know, as a as a child, sometimes this would be a frustrating aspect of, of being a child because our parents would call us to an ideal that maybe they were not able to live up to uh, perfectly, even in their own lives. Um, but as i've become older i've realized that as as a person in a position of authority you either have a you have a choice you can either not call someone to an ideal um because you are all, you are imperfect yourself or you can call them to that ideal even though you know that you yourself cannot achieve it um and if, if you become focused on the person, um, ultimately you'll always end up disappointed because ultimately they will always fall short of that ideal. So to the extent that someone wields authority within, within a Christian structure is only to the extent that they are able to point to that, point to that ideal. And once once you select the ideal, the the goal that God is calling us to as a church, then that ideal automatically becomes a judge, um, because you can, if you're clearly defining what that ideal is, then you can clearly see whether or not you're you're achieving that. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm being clear here, so let let me back up a little bit and uh, and talk about number of weeks ago conrad talked about the uh, magi coming to the christ child and the way that they came to the christ child was that they sele- they selected us the star that they were following and that star guided them to their ultimate goal uh to to select that star they had to look up above the mundane above the the present concerns of life and select something that was above them and greater than them Uh, but they also had to be willing to uh, to follow that star wherever it led and so if they did not if if they were leading if they were heading away from that star it, it suddenly it would become apparent and so um and so when you select something that is higher and greater than yourself and you aren't measuring up, it can feel begin to feel judgmental. But if all of us are focused on, on a distant point, on a distant star, even if we're coming at it from different angles, it will end up drawing us together because we'll be heading towards that one goal. Um, so... When you have one person wielding authority, you you can make quick decisions, but they could they they may be of poor quality because you don't necessarily have all the information. You don't have the uh, you you aren't necessarily in touch with the people sort of on the ground making making the decisions. And and you can see this um, I I see this all the time at the hospital where. Someone who isn't necessarily dealing with patients comes up with a great idea, um, and all of a sudden, everyone is forced to carry it out, uh, and it becomes very quickly evident that the idea only made sense, um, you know, in the abstract. And when it's actually put put to the test, it's not actually a good decision. Um, so Christ Himself. Because of all these reasons, because of of the issue of access, of because of the issue of um, of hierarchy, he pointed to a better way and he he promised the disciples that that the spirit when the Spirit would come, that it would be better in some ways than Christ himself being there. And so with the coming of the spirit in in Acts 2, we see a number of things we see that now the spirit is able to reside in humans again which reverses the curse of genesis 6 and that and and of course that is only possible because of the sacrifice that, that Christ himself made and because of the spirit coming we're now able to communicate and and you can see that the the disciples quickly go out of the the place where they were staying, they begin to talk to the people, and everyone can understand them in their own language. And so the reverse, the the curse of the Tower of Babel is reversed. And now true communication can happen between people once again. The differences between being led by the Spirit and being led by pure authority um, are... Uh, obvious and somewhat frustrating sometimes for those of us who are trying to follow the Spirit. Um, the, instead of having one person that we can look to as being able to make all these decisions, all believers have the Spirit. And so all believers have a necessary role in determining the Spirit's guidance. Um, I can't say to to someone else who that they aren't their point of view isn't worthwhile because the spirit can speak to them just as well as they can speak to me um the spirit's leading is is somewhat nebulous um each of us are, is given part of the overall picture and it's sometimes difficult to determine which is of the spirit and which is of human origin um and so because of that we must interpret the spirit's guidance within the context of the bio, of the body and i think that uh pastor conrad's leading in this area has been very evident because he's really emphasized every member being a minister and that that points to this fact that um that all of us have an important role in determining where the spirit is is leading um there's a uh some famous psychological experiments where if you take a group of people and you show them a um, a jar of M&Ms and ask them to guess how many M&Ms are in it, uh, each individual person's guess could be wildly off base. But if you take the average of, of the entire group of people, you actually get very close to what the um, actual number is in, in that jar. And I think that that's a good example of how it is important for all of us to to work together to help help each other determine what the spirit's leading is for um, for ourselves and and for our church. Um, a third way that the spirit is able to uh, lead us that's different than pure authority is that the spirit can lead in an adaptive way. Um, what usually happens with someone being in charge is that they always get their their way and they always get their point of view being um, being carried out. And so it, it's sometimes easy um, for that to to end up in someone that's wildly off off base. So um, so you know I can relate this to going on a road trip and you know the, if the driver makes a uh, wrong turn, and other people in the car point that out. He can say, "You know, I'm the driver. I know where I'm going." And you know, if he squashes all other opinion, then uh, then it's easy to continue down that wrong path. Um, whereas being led by the Spirit means being open to criticism and allowing the Spirit to be able to course correct. And what may be the right answer in one scenario is not necessarily the right answer in another scenario. Uh, we, we also see this back in numbers when in one, in one episode, Moses is told to strike a rock to give um, to bring forth water. And in a different episode, he's asked to speak to the rock. Um, of course, we all know the story that he uh, went back to his his, his old way of, of handling things, um, his way of, of dealing of wielding power. And he struck the rock again, and uh, God did allow water to come out, but uh, but Moses was prevented from entering the, the promised land because of that. And so we see that it, if you are in tune with the Spirit, this means that you're open to following new ways of doing things, and um, and open to uh, to listen to to needing to listen to the Lord in each decision. Uh, not just relying on what worked in the past. And so um, so if we are following the Spirit, does this mean that there is no longer a role for authority within the church? Um, I don't think so. I think that there still is a role for authority. We know that all authority is ordained by God. Um, authority does allow for order. God is a God of order. Um, and it allows for decisions to be clearly made. Clearly, someone has to uh, wield the discernment of knowing, um, of being able to take all the different viewpoints and, and put them together and, and actually make a decision. But as we said before, um, this this authority uh, needs to be subject to the ideal, um, to, to, the, to the vision that God has. Authority is only followed to the extent that the uh, the uh, person in authority is following the ideal. Um, Paul says to the um, uh, Corinthians, he says, "Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." And so that should be the attitude of those who are in authority. They should be attempting to emulate Christ, and um, and to to the extent that they are. Uh, following that example, that's the that's the extent that we should be following them. Um, but authority is also uh, open to correction from those above and also under them. That that's the model that uh, that Christ put in place by sending the Spirit, uh, since all all members of the body have the same Spirit and and have the same guidance. So what what is the role of the authority within the Christian context? And, and what are we looking for in, in a leader to lead us? We're looking for someone who can uh, first identify the vision, identify the, the desti- destination that God is calling us to, and then articulate that vision to to be able to uh, to let others know what that vision is and where we're headed, and follow that vision. And all of this needs to be done in in the uh, context of servant leadership. The authority that we have um, that that Christ uh, holds up as the ideal is not an authority that is looking for their own way, but actually to help others um, and lay down one's life for the church. So, um, so what does all this? Uh, mean mean for us in a practical standpoint. Um, so if we are feeling fearful, uh, as is likely going to be the case uh, you know every every week going forward, uh, there's going to be things that could that could make us feel fearful fearful, when we have have those feelings, we need to look to God, not to human authority. Human authority will always disappoint, but God will always uh provide the security that we need. We need to understand that the spirit means that the authority over the church is one of equality or even servanthood, where the, the leader of the church is at, at least on par with everyone else in the church, if not um, if not placing himself actually lower than than others in the church and um although we may feel abandoned as the disciples may have felt when when christ left there's power in the model that that christ put in place by sending the spirit that forces us all to come together to to, to discern amongst each other uh where Where we are heading and where, where, um, where he is leading us. So, um, so although we can feel uncertain about what the future may bring, um, we know that, that God will continue to guide us and continue to, uh, provide all the vision that we need. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord, uh, Thank you for your word this morning, and um, I just ask that you would uh, continue to help our insecurity, help our feelings of abandonment, or um, or just need to uh, make sure that we're safe and uh i just asked that you would allow us to to ag- acknowledge honestly that we do have those feelings but um but also to look to you as the one who can uh provide provide that level of security for us and uh i also asked that we would not um out of our fear, look to shun others that have a different viewpoint than us. But that through the Spirit that we would uh, actually seek them out, seek out their uh, point of view, their guidance. Um, because is in all of us coming together that we can best determine um, what you're calling us to. Continue to provide a uh, vision for us um, and help us to see clearly where you are where you are leading us and, and what path we need to take. In your name. Amen.